Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Grace Community Church. As I was telling Carl just now, I can't believe this is all, all this is happening. This is Grace Community Church. Can you believe it? Our first Sunday. And uh, I'm nervous and I must leave the room very quickly. And more than anything else, I want to make sure that um, when we look around this building and see what's happening here, we will give glory to God because that's who deserves the glory for everything that is happening here. We want to praise his name. I thought it would be appropriate for us to start with singing to God be the glory. You'll find it on your sheet at the top of the sheet. Let's lift up our voices and praise his name. So that was the very first church service at Grace Community Church, as it was called then, uh, 30 years ago this week. And it is mind-blowing to watch that video for one significant reason for me. Mind-blowing to realize that I am now two years older than my dad was in that video. And that is really hard for me to wrap my brain around because— because I was eight years old at the time, and I, my, that was my mom on the piano, by the way. You guys look, look just as great as you always did. And back then, I thought of you guys as these, these mature, grown-up adults. And, and, you know, I thought you were so—you're you're basically fully-fledged adults. And now I'm looking at that, and we're like, wait, you're my age? That's crazy. It's crazy. And it's even more crazy— and remarkable to think back to that time, uh, to think about what God was going to build, what he, what he had in store for grace. Th this early group of believers, many of them young adults, uh, just eager beavers ready to, to try out starting a church in a warehouse on the edge of the cornfields in, in the north edge of Indianapolis. It's absolutely wild. And in fact, let me get a little nerdy with you. I was just looking at some, some archival aerial imagery, as one does, uh, and I, I was looking up uh, where Grace used to be located, and I, I noticed something. First of all, look at this. This is from the early 90s. This is the aerial image. You can see it's kind of black and white and grainy, but there's the warehouse over by US 31, and there's our current location on the right there at, on 146th Street here, and that was in the early 90s. This is what it looks like today. So look how much development has happened over those, over those 30 years. It's crazy. Now, Nobody knew back then. We didn't know that that was what the future held for, for Hamilton County. But you can now see, as you look back, that God placed grace uh, in the right place at the right time to be there for thousands and thousands of people who were going to move into this community to, to have their lives transformed by the love of Jesus. Over the last 30 years, just a, a few things that have happened. We've had over 3,000 people baptized as a part of Grace Church. Uh, there have been 800,000 people who are served, have been served through our care center. We've sent out hundreds of short-term trips. We've played a part in planting 11 different church plants locally and around the world. We, we've seen thousands of people who've had their lives helped through tragedy or grief or loss. Thousands more who've been discipled to follow Jesus, some for the first time. And we've seen thousands and thousands more who have been launched into their purpose, into their destiny, into to the mission of God in this world. 
It's incredible. And I'm not saying any of that to pat ourselves on the back, to give us an attaboy. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is how remarkable that God had all of that in store and what he had been doing for the last 30 years at Grace. And it all began in those early days in the warehouse. It's absolutely crazy. And my awe, my astonishment only grows when I look at videos like the one we saw or photos from those days and, and remember that the people who made grace grace in the early days were not towering giants of the faith. <laughs> they were just ordinary people. You could say that they were a, a new generation of leaders who were entering into uncharted territory together with a vision of God doing something new. That's what it was, a new generation of leaders entering uncharted territory with a vision of God doing something new. Now, Amy talked last week about the the mentality that we've had at Grace since the beginning, and that's the put-me-in-coach mentality, right? It's this, this willingness to jump in where the Holy Spirit was moving, and that's what they had 30 years ago, and frankly, that's what we have today. It's now our 30th anniversary, and after, after looking back at those wild early days at Grace, I'm realizing something about where we are now. I've talked about this a few times, but we are at something of a new beginning as a church. Something of a new beginning. Let me explain. For, for one thing, our congregation has changed a lot over those years. Out of curiosity, raise your hands if you were a part of Grace back in the warehouse days. Okay, yeah, a handful. There's a few of us. I see that. Awesome. Look how many weren't. Okay, that's just an in indication of just how much our, the face of our congregation has changed. Um, so many of the, the, what I would call the pillars of grace, people who've, who've really become the, the bedrock of our church, people like, like Ron Bowman and Howard and Guinness, Luke and Bill and Chuck Gross, maybe you don't all, all know those names, they've passed on. And what has now happened is a new generation of leaders has, has risen up to, to carry on that, that mission, have stepped up to the plate. It's a new generation. Now, I want to be clear about something. When I say new generation of leaders, I'm not talking about young people necessarily. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about people of all ages who are now making up the, 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 the leadership of Grace Church, volunteers and staff, uh, who, who are different than, than the leaders that came before. And, and to give you an example of this, this weekend, of all weekends, we have two new volunteers on our worship team. One of them is 17, and the other one is 75, okay? So that's to give you an indication of what I'm talking about when I talk about the new face of Grace. Neither one of them has been around since the beginning. Well, Joey, I, I guess he's been around since for all of his life. He was born uh, presumably at a hospital, but his parents were born, uh, were, were, were attending Grace at the time. Uh, so you could say that he's been a part of Grace since he was born. All that to say, it's a new generation of leaders. Now, on top of all that, okay, we've got a new generation of leaders, but I got to tell you, it is not 1991 anymore, okay? It's not 1991. Just think about what, what has changed in our world over the last 30 years. We just recognized the anniversary of 9-11. How much has our world changed since 9-11? I mean, it's changed our entire outlook on what it means to be an American, our perspective of our place in the, in the, the national uh, landscape. And then you add in internet, smartphones, social media. I mean, the way that we think about ourselves and each other has completely changed because of that. Um, and then there's all these kinds of cultural and political divides that have, have torn our nation apart over these years. It's, it's a hostile time in America. And of course, COVID. I mean, COVID came along kind of late in that 30-year span, but my goodness, it's completely 
transformed normal for us, including church attendance. You may not realize this, but, but based on our, our uh, attendance tracking, what we've seen is that for every one of you who's sitting in this room, there's someone else who's watching online. It's, it's about half and half right now. Hello, everybody watching online. Good to see you. But, but that's just that's just new. That's not, not the way we're used to it, is it? And I think perhaps it'll, it'll shift. We'll start to see a shift towards more people uh, returning to in-person worship, but I don't think it's go- we're not going to go back to the days where online church is just kind of a convenience for a very small minority. I think this is a normal thing now that we're just going to have to get used to. COVID has changed uh, our, our, our experience of church. But even more significantly than that right now, we are seeing a massive time of deconstruction happening in the evangelical church. A lot of people are asking really big questions about faith, about God, about church, and it, they're not finding satisfactory answers often. And many, many people are leaving the faith. They're wandering away. They're drifting away. They're not sure what they believe anymore. That's happening at the exact same time that an entire—the uh, the, the least churched generation in American history is coming into adulthood. So— Guys, we are not in Kansas anymore. This is not 1991. This is uncharted territory. It's uncharted territory. Now, it's enough to make some of us want to just throw in the towel and say, I, I, I can't, it's too crazy. But I got to tell you what, in this time of deconstruction that we're, that we're facing, in this time of confusion and turmoil and cultural change, at Grace— at Grace, we stand here on fire with a vision of God doing something new. A vision of God doing something new. Reconstruction and renewal and, and, and revival even. We have a vision of a world that's healed in the name of Jesus and a vision of a community that is being transformed by Christ to do the healing in his name. That's what, we, that's what drives us. So you know what this means. It means that right now at Grace, we are a new generation of leaders facing uncharted territory with a vision of God doing something new. That sounds an awful lot like what we were 30 years ago when Grace began. We may look a lot different than we did in 1991. I see a lot fewer floral print dresses and fewer shoulder pads. But look, for many, in many, many ways, our calling as a church has not changed our calling as a church to, to carry on the mission of God, it is still the same as it was back then. And so because of all this, we are looking at Scripture because there are some very important reminders and encouragements and even a few cautions that we need to pay attention to as we look ahead at the next 30 years of grace. That's what we're doing in this series. So we're, in, we're looking at what the Apostle Paul had to say to his protege, Timothy, in First and Second Timothy this, uh, in this series. And so let me just give you a little bit of background uh, in case you didn't uh, hear all of what Amy shared last week. Uh, if you were around this summer— you know, we did this whole summer series about, about the book of Acts, and we followed, a lot of it was following uh, the Apostle Paul as he traveled all over the Roman Empire and planted churches and, and uh, dealt with all the crazy stuff that was happening and, and all the false teachers that were arising, and he was traveling all over the place. So we looked at his story. By this point, though, by the time he wrote these letters, he'd been doing this for decades— many decades, and we don't know how old he was, but it's possible that he was getting into his 70s or even 80s, and he was looking um, at at the the landscape of the church in in, in his time and realizing he wasn't going to be around forever. 
So he needed to begin uh, preparing a new generation of leaders to take the church forward and make sure that the gospel was going to continue as strong as it had. And so he started to, to take some of the leaders, the young leaders that he'd been building into, like Titus, like Timothy, and he began giving them responsibility to lead some of these churches that he had started, like Ephesus. That's where he asked Timothy to lead, the church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, this is a big deal. This is a big deal for anybody to lead that church because Ephesus was a huge and important city. They're facing uh, all kinds of crazy stuff, like, like big spiritual forces. Remember, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, it, was, it, was a, uh, it was a very influential city, and it had a major issues. They had income inequality and poverty, and, and I mean, the Roman Empire had a lot of influence there. It was, it was a lot to deal with. And on top of that, within the church, we see, based on what we can kind of discern from the clues in these letters, that there was a lot of false teaching happening. There were people infiltrating the church and teaching people things that were just eroding the foundation of truth. At the same time, persecution was beginning to grow for the church in Ephesus. So this is a lot for anybody to handle. This would have been a lot for Paul to handle. This was just a lot to to deal with for any leader of this church. But making matters a little even, even more complicated— for Timothy, Timothy was young. He was a young man. Now, the word young in Greek, there's some scholars that look at how it's used in other uh, secular contexts that they say, basically, we don't know how, how young it is, but that word was only applied to people who were 40 and younger. So we know that Timothy was probably under 40, but maybe he was a lot younger than that, maybe not. All we know is, compared to Paul, he was young. He didn't have the gravitas and the experience of, of the one who came before. And so he had a lot of stuff to do, a lot of, a lot of challenges in front of him. Now, all that said, I don't want to sell Timothy too short. He was a gifted communicator, according to what we can kind of discern from the passages. Uh, he also, he had a significant thing. He had the elders of the Ephesian church lay their hands on him and commission him to leadership. What that means is it wasn't just Paul saying like, well, if Ephesus, whether you like it or not, Timothy's your new leader. No, the, the leaders, the, the lay leaders of the church in Ephesus, they all made a decision that Timothy would be their leader. So they had commissioned him to lead. So after spending all these years traveling around with Paul and, and learning from him and planting churches with him, now Timothy is, is kind of on his own, and he's got this, this vision of, of carrying on the gospel mission into this rapidly changing city. So guess what ingredients we see at work there? We see a new generation of leaders facing uncharted territory with a vision of God doing something new, just like grace. And so you can understand why this is a really important passage or passages for us to look at as Paul is helping Timothy navigate this new role and this new season of ministry. All right, so enough intro. Let's look at what he actually had to say. Please turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Uh, You can turn there in the House Bibles. It'll be page 998, Uh, but go ahead and grab a Bible and turn there. While you're doing that, I just want to add my two cents to what Amy shared before about our core team meeting this Wednesday. Um, Core team, again, is this is for people who are, if if you're all in at Grace, if you're passionate about what God is doing here, I want you there. 
Okay, I'm going to say that again. If, if you love what God is doing at Grace and you, this is your church and you're all in, I want you there. Whether or not you're volunteering yet, whether or not you're exactly sure where to plug in, I want you there because when we gather, it's not just uh, the great worship. It's not just the energy of being around all the other people who are, who are super invested and passionate. What it is, is it's an opportunity for us to get to work. When we are in our core team meetings, we split up into our different ministry areas and we brainstorm and we dream together and we problem solve and and all these kinds of things. So if you're someone who wants to build the future of Grace Church, if you want to build the next 30 years of Grace, I want you there because we are going to spend some time doing exactly that on Wednesday. All right, six o'clock for the picnic, seven o'clock in this room. Please be there. And if you're not in the core team yet, we'll get you in. We'll, We'll connect you and get you plugged in. All right. So let's look at what he had to say, what, what Paul had to say. Now, right before he gets into this, he's explaining uh, what some of these false teachers would be teaching in Ephesus and how, how Timothy can fight against that, what he could be teaching. And then he says this in verse 6. He says, Timothy, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. So, okay. I think the key passage or key phrase in this passage is train yourself. Train yourself. Paul wants Timothy to understand that, and this may be self-explanatory, but if he wants to carry on the mission, if he's going to stand up to false teachers, if he's going to lead the church in Ephesus, then he's going to need to train for it. He's going to have to work at it. The word for train in Greek is gymnazo, which is actually the, the same root as the word gymnasium, that we, that we get our word gymnasium. Um, so Paul's using athletic imagery here. He's using the idea of, of athletics to illustrate his point. It's like he's saying, Timothy, while everyone else, all your opponents are out there arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales, you need to be preparing for the competition. Prepare yourself. Or to paraphrase it in in sort of modern terms, it's like he's saying, look, Timothy, all your opponents are out there and they're just fussing with their fantasy football leagues and they're arguing over what kind of shoes are the best brand of shoes. You need to be in the gym getting strong. You need to be getting fit. You need to be working hard. You need to be lifting weights. You need to be working on cardio. That is how you are going to win. That's how you're going to win. Or in other words, if you're going to lead the church, Timothy— into this uncharted territory that you're facing, you have got to train. Got to stay sharp. You've got to get fit. That is how you'll win the race. That is how you'll win the competition. Which is all good, <laughs> but of course, it's kind of easy for Paul to say that, isn't it? I mean, this is the, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul. When he goes around and introduces himself, people are like, wait, you're the Apostle Paul? That's, he's a big deal. He's famous. He's, he's a, a missionary. He's been planting churches now for decades. Think about that, for decades. Before that, I mean, he wasn't a Christian yet, but before he was planting churches, he spent 20 years training in this hardcore training to become a Pharisee. So, Paul is walking around like a spiritual Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and he's walking around with his muscles all everywhere, and he's telling Timothy to train yourself. 
come on, that's easy for you to say. He's a small, Timothy's a small town kid, and he's supposed to rise to the challenge? It's kind of a lot. Train yourself, sure, yeah, but what if I can't even lift the bar? Well, I think Paul knows exactly where Timothy's insecurities are going to take him when he says all this, which is why what he says next is so important. Look at this. He goes on, right? He says, train yourself, and then he says, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into these tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching and stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. So here we go. This is Paul addressing Timothy's insecurities. He gives him 10 commands, 10 imperatives in a row. Do this, don't do this. He goes on and on. And all of them, I believe, build off of this one phrase or this one sentence in verse 12, where he says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Now, if you're like me and you were a, a teen evangelical in the 90s, I see you, Benders. What's up? Uh, if you were a teen evangelical in the 90s, you know this verse like the back of your hand. We heard it all the time. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Yeah, of course, we get it. But I will tell you, I've never, there's one part of this verse I've never thought about until literally I was preparing for this message, and it's this. How do you not let someone else think less of you? Like, how do you, you can't control someone else's thinking, so how are you supposed to not allow another person to think less of you? That does not make any sense, does it? I mean, I mean, you can't change someone else's opinion. So it's like, if someone's looking down on Timothy as just, oh, look at that young kid, he can't just be like, nah, nah, no, Paul said not to, like, you can't, you can't do that. No. And besides, isn't looking down on the next generation, isn't that just kind of the human condition? Isn't that just kind of how it always goes? I mean, it's something that, that, that always seems to happen. Like those darn kids, those darn free-loving hippie boomers, right? That happened. People look down on boomers. Those darn slacker, grunge-wearing Gen Xers, darn kids. Those darn millennials ruining everything, ruining the workplace, ruining napkins, right? I don't know. We're, we ruin everything, right? Uh, apparently because we, we buy paper towels instead of napkins. We've ruined the napkin industry. I'm sorry. Those darn Gen Z kids eating their Tide Pods and dancing on TikTok. And I don't know what you guys will be actually criticized for as you, as you come of age. Good luck with that. So this is how things work. This is how things work. We look down on the, the people who come after us. Unfortunately, it's especially true in the church, isn't it? We, we tend to see this a lot in the church. Dad, I hope you're okay with me telling you this, telling the story you shared with me earlier this week. But when you first started, uh, Dad's sitting in the front row, if you can't tell people online. Uh, when you first started, you had a congregant who wanted to meet with you. And you thought, oh, he's going to meet with, meet with me to encourage me, which I, I'm now laughing because I'm like, I've never thought that. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not naive. You, I've learned from your experience. But he had someone who wanted to, wanted to meet with you. And he sat you down, older congregant, and he said, you don't have the education and you don't have the, the experience to be a pastor. And so, look, 
you can, you can play around for another six months, but then I expect you to resign. I expect you to step down. Okay, welcome to ministry. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've never had anybody say anything that direct to me, but I've, I've got my own version of that. I've, I've, I've heard of some people, families who've left Grace, and as kind of a parting shot, they've made sure that, that we know we don't think Barry has enough experience. He's not old enough. He should have gone with a more seasoned leader, right? That we've heard, I've heard that. So, but this isn't just about individuals in the church. This is about the church as a whole, about Grace Church as a whole. As I said before, even though, even though there are some still here from the warehouse days, a handful of us, our congregation is largely made up of, of a new generation of leaders, of people who haven't been around forever. Again, young and old, but they're, they're new faces, right? And even though we're, we're moving into uncharted territory, which you think people would have some grace for because nobody knows what lies ahead if it's uncharted— even though we're moving into uncharted territory, we are all still carrying a pretty massive weight. And that weight is all the amazing stuff that's happened before. I give you that big long list. We're carrying that a bit like a burden. We're, we're Timothy following Paul. We've got our own burden of wondering, are we going to measure up as a church? Will the next 30 years of grace be as spectacular and successful and life-changing as the first 30? We wonder those things, and I'll be honest, there are plenty of people out there who want us to know that they don't think it will. They will tell us that. They'll imply that. We hear it. I mean, we feel that, don't we, as a church? We, we, many of us feel that, that skepticism of our own abilities because in many ways we are a new generation. We are young as a church in this new season. Again, looking down on the following generations, it seems to be the way things just happen to be. And unfortunately, it's especially true in the church. But Paul, his command to Timothy, his imperative is super clear. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're younger. And so again, let's get back to that question. How do you do that? How do you not let someone look down on you? How is that even possible? Well, I think the answer comes in what Paul says right after this, in the rest of verse 12, and then through the rest of this passage, through these other commands. He starts by saying, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and your purity. In other words, Timothy, ignore the haters. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have what you need to live a life that looks like Christ. That's what I trained you in. That's what we talked about on those long journeys from city to city. That's what matters. You have it. You have it. So hit the gym. Train yourself. Keep yourself strong. And be an example of genuine faith. Be an example of genuine faith. Regardless of your age, Timothy, you have what you need to do that. You have what you need. Then he goes on. In verse 13, he says, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. In other words, Timothy, you have the words of life. You've got the Bible handed down to you from your spiritual ancestors for generations. Read those words. Study those words. Stand on those words. You have what you need. You have what you need. Your critics are going to spend all their time debating godless ideas, but you are going to stand on the word of God. You've got what you need. And then he goes on, verse 14. Do not neglect what? The spiritual gift you received. The spiritual gift. In other words, Timothy, your own capabilities, your own wisdom, your own expertise, it does not matter. 
It does not matter because it is the Holy Spirit's power that works through you. It's his giftings that empowers you to lead. So live into your gifts, Timothy. You have what you need. And finally, at the end of the verse, he says this, a little, just a little reminder for Timothy. He says that when you were given that gift, it was when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. In other words, Timothy, you were called to this role. The elders of the Ephesian church, they commissioned you to lead them. You have the authority you need to take this church into the future. So remember your calling, Timothy. You have what you need. So I think we have an answer here to what Paul means when he, when he says, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. It is not about trying to somehow limit other people's negative opinions. It's not about silencing criticism. What it's about is living in such a way that all those negative opinions seem ridiculous. It robs those ideas of power. I mean, imagine, just imagine if Timothy led the church in Ephesus while, while being an example of genuine faith. Imagine if as a leader, he's, he's consistently standing on the word of God. Imagine if he's living into his gifts. Imagine if he's constantly remembering his calling. If all that was true of Timothy, then all the criticism about his youth would just be hollow gossip. Paul knew that Timothy had all the raw ingredients. He was equipped for this. And so his message, what he wants Timothy to remember in a nutshell is this. You have what you need to carry on. Timothy, you have what you need. Nobody can look down on you if you're stepping into your God-given identity. You have what you need. Now, okay, I don't think they had poster printing technology in Timothy's days, but if they had, I can imagine Timothy printing this out and putting it right up on his wall in his bedroom because these words, I imagine, were an ongoing encouragement for Timothy in those first uh, 10, 20 years of leading the church in Ephesus. How could he not be encouraged by this to remember that, that he has been called, he has been gifted, he has what he needs to lead? This is what Paul wanted Timothy to remember. And again, I think he held on to these words till the day he died. You have what you need to carry on. So here's my question. What do we as a church take away from this idea? What do we need to be reminded of in this season? Well, like I said before, grace is entering a new chapter as a church. We're looking ahead to the next 30 years. The next 30 years, a new generation of leaders, young and old, are, are facing uncharted territory with a vision of God doing something new in our midst. We are kind of like young Timothy taking over the church in Ephesus. There are plenty of reasons to doubt us, plenty of reasons to doubt us, to look down on us for our, our youth, so to speak. But just like those early scrappy days in the warehouse, just like Timothy in Ephesus, I want us to remember what Paul wants Timothy to remember, that we have what we need to carry on. We have what we need. Look, if we want Grace Church to be thriving in 2051, when they're celebrating the 60 years anniversary of grace, then right now, right now in 2021, our job as individual Christ followers and as a church community is not to focus on criticisms, to listen to the haters, or to let our own self-doubts define us. 
Our job is to train ourselves, to hit the gym of godliness, as Paul says. We have a job to be an example to all believers of genuine faith. Here's what I think that looks like. When I look at Grace Church, I want, or when other people look at Grace Church, I want them to see the self-giving love of Jesus on full display. Radical humility. I want to see, I want them to see a passion for healing the world. You cannot argue with that when it's real. I also want them to see us standing on the Word of God, diving deep into Scripture, asking the hard questions in a time of deconstruction, and building a foundation of truth for a skeptical generation. I want them to see us, looking at us and seeing us on this humble pursuit of truth together. Doubt us all you want, but we are going to pursue truth in the Word of God, and we're not going to stop. And Grace, I want, I want them to see us living into our gifts. Remember, it is not up to us. It is not up to our own abilities. Thank God for that. Because if it was, we would fail. We would fall on our face. It's not up to us. What it's up to is God's Holy Spirit empowering us, working through us, gifting us, equipping us. Let's live into that. And finally, Grace Church, can we remember our calling? Grace is not here because Hamilton County needs another church. We got plenty No, we are here because we are called to be here. God has called us not to be clever or attractive or successful. No, our job is to be faithful to his call, whatever it looks like, to make disciples of Jesus, to launch them into the mission of God, to heal this broken world in his name. It has been that way for the last 30 years, and guess what? It's going to be that way for the next 30. We are here to be faithful to the call. So Grace Church, we have what we need to carry on. We have what we need. So I say, let's hit the gym. Let's train ourselves. Let's get strong because we have work to do. Would you pray with me? Father, what a privilege. What a privilege to be here at this time, at this place, just imagining how, how little uh, we knew when grace began of what you had in store. I imagine that we also right now are completely ignorant of what you have in store. We just can't even imagine what you're going to do. So Father, in this time, in this place, I pray that you would bring us through your Holy Spirit a wind of encouragement, a wind of hope, a wind of joy. I pray, Father, that, that at grace we would see a new day dawning and that we would step into it. Even though the, the territory is uncharted, that we would step into it with hope and joy and trust that you know the way. Father, we want to be your instruments in this broken world and thank you that it's not up to us. It's just up to you and our faithfulness to your call. So God, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you, would you speak truth to us? And Father, would you shape us for the next three decades to be the church that you have called us to be? We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord, who showed us the way. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church. And the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.